With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Personally, that was special for me, uh, walking out of the the tunnel and hearing the fans that brought back more memories than a lot of other things have especially just the smell of the stadium with the food in there and just uh, took me back a long time it was, it was a pretty special day for me it's the first time playing in front of that many people uh, the tunnel walk is pretty surreal um, I love it though I mean after the first snap I think all the jitters kind of go away and you just go out and play N- nothing happens like overnight or at the flip of a switch but you can just feel it coalescing and coming together I think it'll happen faster here from a culture standpoint because the guys are so hungry to do it. But the rest of it's still going to take time, and and we'll see when it all when it all comes together and pops. And welcome here to this post spring game edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus says we're going to give our final takes here from the Red White Spring Game, and then get you ready for the dog days here as um, we'll officially have the summer months. Um, as things will slow down, but still going to be a busy weekend. NFL draft uh, Saturday is probably the day here where most Husker guys, if any, will get drafted. But it's been pretty quiet uh, on the draft front um, this year uh, when your coach gets fired and th- there just hasn't been a lot of buzz uh, for the current guys getting drafted. But we want to start out of the gates um, with the spring game itself. 86,000 people in Memorial Stadium, uh, they tinkered with the tunnel walk, um, but you know the, the cold weather, 48 degree day, still uh, pretty much full. They announced it as tickets sold. They didn't say actual. Uh, they were pretty clear on that. But uh, the showing of the crowd was impressive. I have a hard time believing very many schools in the country on a 48 degree overcast wet day would have that many people in a stadium for a red white spring game. So the day itself delivered. I thought the offense had the feel that you wanted to have, at least in that setting. Um, We saw the defensive guys flying around. Um, You know, I thought it was going to be hard for the day to really live up to all the expectations, but I think it was pretty darn close, Robin. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think it'd be possible to reach the hype that was building up over the last few months, but it came pretty darn close. You know, it wasn't quite a sellout, but it was the largest, at least ticket sale total in all of college football for a spring game. Um, and then, you know, even with the weather, even with the rain and the cold and the gray, um, you know, they had that many people turn out and provided a pretty fun atmosphere. Um, you know, and then there were a lot of, um, you know, from the casual fan observers, casual media, people like us that, you know, haven't really seen this offense much in action um, in person, it looked Pretty good, I thought. You know, I thought the quarterbacks all made some plays. Um, you know, saw, saw some dynamic, you know, skill position um, plays from those wide receivers. Um, the defense created turnovers. They got sacks, and so all the things that you were hoping to see, um, you got a little bit of a taste of that. But what was interesting, um, you know, on Wednesday night, Scott Frost had his final. 
um, radio show with Husker Sports Network to kind of recap the spring going into the summer. And he wasn't nearly as high on the performance as everybody else was. He didn't like the tempo. He didn't think it was fast enough. He didn't think there was enough energy, enough enthusiasm from his players. And so maybe it's just him having an extremely high bar for everything that you know his teams do. Uh, but you know, while everybody else was pretty uh, excited and you know, optimistic coming out of that spring game, um, Frost's message to his team was there is still a lot of work left to be done. And I think that's kind of to be expected. I don't think, especially in your first year, you want to say you want to pat the guys on the back and and say, well, that's that was that was great. I think you still want to, you know, have some motivation there and, and kind of set the bar high and and uh, let them know that, you know, although we came a long way, there's still a lot of a lot of work to be done. Um, you know, I, my, my big takeaway, uh, the the atmosphere was was nice. Um, you know, the you know the, the excitement, especially during the tunnel walk. I mean, that was that was pretty cool to be on the field for that uh, for a spring game. There was certainly a lot of energy right there. Um, you know, and, and at, really after the first quarter, though, I, I mean, it was just another spring game for the most part. Um, obviously, there's a lot of buzz around what Adrian Martinez was able to do. Um, you know, mostly with his feet. You know, that's something that that we. Have haven't seen it in Nebraska for a while, so that was kind of fun to see. Um, you know, I, I my biggest impression was probably the playmakers. You know, you were missing your your top two guys and in, in Stanley Morgan Jr. and J.D. Spielman, but you still had a lot of guys making plays out there. So, um, you know, there's going to be an awful lot of weapons for this offense heading into the fall, and, and I think that's what's kind of exciting about what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I wrote this um, on Thursday. The two groups, guys, I think when you look at this roster coming out of the spring I think wide receiver and defensive line would be the two position groups of strength right now and wide receiver is not a surprise to me um, you mentioned Spielman and Morgan but McQuitty came on Mike Williams had a solid spring Tyjon Lindsay um, that top five just here today and then you have youngsters like McGriff and uh, veterans like Rymers behind there and then more guys coming into this roster but Defensive line, I think most people would be like, it was, you know, it was just such a bad year for the defense last year that it's hard to say anything was good about that group. But there's a lot coming back on that defensive line, Robin, that leaves me a little bit more optimistic about the front going into this year. Well, and I think people felt pretty good about the front line guys, you know, the Davis twins and Stoltenberg, if he can get Stilly. healthy, and Stilly. But I think the question was the depth behind those guys. And I thought that we really got some encouraging developments um, as far as filling out those next wave um, at the tackle and end positions. Um, you know, Deshaun Neal might be one of the yeah. surprise stories of the spring. How do you get him uh, on the field, though, will be the biggest question. Well, going to rotate a lot they have to because of the number amount of time that defense is going to be on the field so i mean they're going to need to be you know two at least and maybe even three deep at all three of those spots you're going to have guys playing inside and out um, just so they can mix and match personnel uh, just to keep as fresh legs as possible um, not only with the defensive line but that whole defense and so Deshaun Neal is going to have a golden opportunity to play um, he had three sacks in the spring game recovered a fumble um, and really finally looked like the dynamic playmaker um, you know some people thought he was going to be coming out of Omaha Central and the biggest thing that stood out to me was after the um, after the game he was talking about just how he never really felt like he found his place here I mean you know, he was finally starting to get his feet under him under banker then they completely you know did an upheaval of the defense and he had to try to learn to be a 3-4 end which was a major adjustment for him physically and mentally so well, what he could have gone two ways with that and so at the start of winter conditioning he came in at 275 pounds 
right before the spring game, he weighed in at 292. And he says he's stronger, faster, leaner than he's ever been. And so, I mean, those types of gains, I mean, are just um, totally embodied kind of the way that he's embraced this challenge. And I think that with that type of attitude and his just natural skill set, it lends itself to him probably being a big factor for this defensive line this season. Yeah, you can tell that he's got a lot more confidence um, just by the way he talks and, and certainly by the way he played. Uh, and, and I don't know if that's because of the gains that he made in the weight room or if that's because he just feels comfortable under, you know, playing in the scheme finally and, and being a 3-4 defensive end or if it's a combination of both. But uh, definitely that was a good uh, development there and, and something that they're going to need because, like you said, Robin, they're, they're going to need to be at least two and, and probably three deep uh, across the board on the defensive side of the football because given all the snaps they're going to play, especially up front, uh, where those guys expend an awful lot of energy on each and every single play. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we put a final wrap here on the spring game as uh, we're going to get more into the quarterback discussion in our next segment. We wanted to give that a little bit more time um, than what we have here out of the gates. Uh, briefly, NFL draft this weekend as well as um, Joshua Clue, Chris Jones, Nick Gates, Drew Brown, quarterback Tanner Lee, um, kind of headline the potential group of guys um, that that could end up in the league. Um, you know, you, you could have anywhere from no Huskers drafted Robin um, to three or four, but it, it's it's there's just not a lot of buzz. I, I think for whatever odd reason about the draft this weekend. Well, I mean, you're looking at a group where you are probably looking at strictly day three picks. Uh, I would say right now. It's probably between Kalu and maybe Tanner Lee as your most likely draft picks. I think Kalu's going to get drafted. You know, whether it's a seventh round pick again. His like, combine was really good. Yeah. So I mean, he. I think he opened some eyes, and more, most importantly, his versatility. He played all three positions in the secondary, and he's a proven special teams player. So you can make room on a roster for a guy that can do that many things. So I. I and you add in his combine. Um, you know, I, I think that he's probably your closest thing to a lock to get drafted. The interesting one, though, is going to be Tanner Lee. Um, there's been just a wide range of talk about his NFL potential, where at the Senior Bowl, he was terrible. Um, you know, there was a clip of Jerry Jones of the Cowboys when Tanner Lee was going, he had had a rough day through like three picks going into this rep, and he takes the field, and there's a clip of Jerry Jones going, oh, here comes Mr. Turnover. And so, I mean, there he his stock couldn't have gotten lower, but then the combine, he looked really well, as we've seen um, him be able to do. So, um, he visited, visited teams like the Falcons, so he's going to have a chance. If he happens or not, I don't know, but um, it'll be interesting to watch over the weekend. Yeah, somebody you, you hope just takes a chance on him, and, and if he gets into a camp, he could be the first quarterback, Robin, since uh, Vince Ferragamo. Yep, back in the 70s. To make a NFL roster as a quarterback from Nebraska. A lot of guys have played quarterback in Nebraska and gone in the league as another position, a la Scott Frost, Jamal Lord, down the line. But no one has actually made an NFL roster as a quarterback from Nebraska since Vince Ferragamo. So think about that as we head on our break. And we're going to talk more about the quarterback position next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think it's just about handling your business. I think that, you know, just execute the plays that you're given and, um, like, like Coach Frost said, you know, we just got to get the, the offensive tempo moving faster. And, um, you know, there's a lot of great things that Andrew did, that uh, Noah did, and Adrian did. And I'm just really glad to be a part of the group that I'm in. You know, a bunch of good guys. So I think we just need to stay the course. You know, we still have a, a lot of things kind of um, to get down completely. 
we uh, offensively we still have some things to put in, some things to learn. Um, for me personally, I'm just going to keep staying the course, keep working hard, and keep learning the offense. You know, I don't I don't have this thing down 100% yet, and you know that's going to be a process. And welcome back here to the Husker Line Show. You just heard from quarterbacks Adrian Martinez there, and before that, Tristan Jebbia, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as we are going to talk quarterbacks. And let me start by this: when you look at what Adrian Martinez did as his true freshman year here at Nebraska in the spring, and you put that a year ago, what Tristan Jebbia did when he came in as a true freshman, Nate. I'll, I don't know if I can ever recall there being two incoming true freshman quarterbacks that have been as polished as what these two guys have been able to do out of the gates. I mean, there just typically has been a transition period where with both Jebbia and now Martinez, um, they're just not your typical young quarterbacks. No, there's there really aren't. Um, and, and you can tell just by listening to them talk. I mean, these two kids are extremely mature. Um, they, they just don't handle themselves like, like they should be in high school. Uh, and Tristan was like that way last year, um, when he should have been in high school and Adrian's the same way. I mean, when you listen to these guys talk, they, they just get it and you can tell that they're leaders and, and that they're, they fit that, that mold that you want at the quarterback position. And then you watch them play. Um, and you can tell that, that they not only are extremely talented, but that they love football. They, they, they work extra hard in the film room and that they understand, um, you know, the, the nuances of the game and, and so on and so forth. So uh, they've, they've got a couple of pretty talented and promising young, young quarterbacks there in these two guys. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the, how the race unfolds. But I mean, honestly, I, I don't know if you've, if you've felt this good about Nebraska's quarterback depth, at least the top two guys in quite a while. Nate, you kind of, I think, hit on the most important part of what that spring game was for the coaching staff as far as evaluating those quarterbacks. I don't think they cared about the numbers. They didn't care about the stats, the touchdowns, or, or whatever. What they cared about was how those young guys managed the offense, how they handled the environment of playing in front of 80 or so thousand fans, um, including Martinez doing it for the just the second or the first time and Jebby doing it for just the second time. Um, and I think that was probably as valuable as anything um, because, you know, that's a situation where you're watching guys execute a new offense in um, completely different dynamics. And so um, that, I think, was what, you know, Scott Frost, Mario Verdusco, Troy Walters were all really focusing on. And I think by and large, they were very, very pleased. Um, you know, Frost on his radio show even mentioned that um, you, know, you look at you know guys like Vedral and Bunch. You know, they, they were at a real disadvantage in that game because you know they weren't working with the first teamers on offense. You know, the receiving core was, you know, they had one scholarship difficult. wide receiver yeah. on the white team. <laughs> yeah, they had one scholarship guy. So you know, I think they they really didn't really care about that. What they wanted to see was how guys handled the moment. And you know, I think uh, you know Frost was very complimentary on both those guys. In fact, he said. You know, Adrian Martinez, he's an early enrollee true freshman. And for him to step onto that type of stage and play the way that he did um, kind of raised a few eyebrows. And then Jebbia, you know, he had a couple big plays that negated or some some penalties that negated big plays that could have padded those stats. But by and large, you know, he, he managed the game. He didn't make mistakes. He kept things on track. And that's a big part of what they're looking for in this future starting quarterback. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear – you know, we're not going to know anything on this deal until maybe even the opener. I mean, I, I I could see Frost being the type that plays this thing fairly close to the vest, rotates them equally, um, and, and and let's not discredit Andrew Bunch. He had a good spring. He looked good at times as well. 
um, on Saturday in the, in the red-white game. And uh, we still don't know the piece of the graduate transfer puzzle yet. Uh, if Joe Burrow you know, hit the market, would Nebraska even show interest? And uh, they're still waiting on that out of Columbus. Um, at this point, I can tell you they have not told Burrow or Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, who the starter is going to be. And there's some thought that they may not even tell those guys until August. So Bur- Burrow might have to make a choice of if he wants to hit the grad transfer market on his own, not knowing for sure. Uh, but with that said, um, I, I just don't see any way possible um, they can really name a guy, Robin, until very late in August. No, and here's another factor we haven't discussed, the potential waiver for Noah Vedral to be eligible it's, this it's year. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's still technically on the table. He, I don't follow, think, he yeah. followed the head coach. I don't I mean, think it's going to happen. You, you open up a can of worms for every athlete to follow their coach at that point. I, I just can't see that happening, even though I get his situation coming back to Nebraska. Right. So, I mean, that being said, I mean, you potentially at, at – least have three guys that are viable candidates for that starting job right now. And if you are to add a graduate transfer, uh, a grad transfer like a Joe Burrow is not going to come to Lincoln, Nebraska to ride the bench, um, especially in his situation where he has two years. So um, that's, your re- like he said, that would really muddy the waters, create a lot of, I'm sure, initial drama. But um, as we've talked about, you know, if you bring in a guy that you think can help you win immediately and take your offense to that next level, you do it. And so that's why Frost and you know has, has basically said throughout this process, no, we're not actively looking, but we're always going to keep an eye out. You know, we're, we're not shutting down the idea um, just because you never say never. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, with that Burrow situation, what he decides to do, um, how that eventually impacts Nebraska's quarterback race. I mean, what do you guys feel? I, I feel now, I feel like this is less likely to happen than I felt a month ago. Much less likely. Because yeah. they basically said, no, we're not actively looking. On Wednesday night, he said, we are not actively looking I mean, for a graduate you, transfer at any position, let alone quarterback. It's big, To me, it comes down, do you gamble the locker room, essentially? Because that's what you're doing. You're telling Jebbia no doubt. to leave, and, and you're telling the rest of the guys, this is a new guy, you're going to have to accept him, even though you don't really know him. You want him to be at Nebraska, but you don't know him. And is that worth gambling maybe two or three more wins in this first year if that's what it would be worth? And I don't think it is right now at this point. Yeah, and so, I mean, you got to feel really strongly that, you know, Burrow is the type of guy that can take you from a 7- or 8-win team, whatever it be, to a 10-11 win team. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case and if he's going to be that much better than what they have and how much he even fits in Scott Frost's style of offense. Yeah, the way I look at it is that you, you have to look at year two. Is is Joe Burrow going to be a guy that can win me a conference championship in year yeah. two, or am I going to kind of repeat what I did in uh, at Central Florida and and kind of take our lumps with a with a fresh quarterback in year one and then see a big jump in year two? Um, it, you know, but if they think Joe Burrow is a guy that could take him to the conference championship game in year two, then maybe you you uh, you know you at least entertain it. But for me, when you, you you're sending the message here that you know these guys have been battling it out all spring long for to try and win the starting job, and then all of a sudden you basically you bring in some guy from the outside and, and essentially hand him the job because you're not bringing him in to sit the bench. So um, I don't know how you spin that to to a locker room or, or especially that quarterback room, uh, you know, and, and keep everybody on board with what with what your message has been. Now to play devil's advocate though, Jeppy has only been here a year. I know it feels like. He's been here longer, but it's not like we're talking about a veteran guy that's it's paid. not like Tommy Armstrong when Mike Riley got here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this so this is 
a different deal. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's really only been in Lincoln for a year, but do you? Th- it comes down to who's the better of the two, and and do you think it's worth doing? And is it worth bridging the gap to Martinez with the Borough? I mean, I think that's the scenario you play out at that point. Yeah, and you know, I think that with Jebby hasn't been here very long, but he's extremely well liked and extremely respected in that locker room. And so there will be people that are upset if you bring in a uh, Joe Burrow. The Martinez is a little bit different situation because he is so young, because he hasn't played in a real game in such a long time. You can make a much safer argument uh, to redshirt him and give him some time to develop. And but that's what makes the Burrow situation so interesting. He's not your traditional mercenary grad transfer. You yeah. come in for a season and then he's gone. I mean, this is a two-year investment. Um, and, uh, you know, again, with a guy like Jebbia, I mean, you've – I wouldn't want to stick around and just ride the bench and, you know, hope to get in the game with a guy like that coming in, especially after all the work that he's put in over the last few months to be the guy this year and um, the fact that he's done so well at it. All right, when we come back, we are going to shift the discussion over to defense as uh, a lot to talk about there as well. So that's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We can't act like we made it. That's the biggest thing. We got, and now we got three months. Is no time. We just got attacked. We can't act like we, we've we've came. You know, we we've arrived to the team that we ever wanted to be. No, it's, it's none of that. You, we have to attack that. I say the biggest thing is just growing together. You know, I think we're getting closer as a team, as a defense, and then that's big for. Uh, going into the season, just uh, the closer we get, you know, the better we're going to communicate on the field and execute assignments. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. That was Carlos Davis. And before that, Muhammad Barry just talking about establishing that culture that you want on defense. And we've heard this a lot from Eric Shenander. Culture beats scheme most of the time. And, you know, we, we, we saw the big schematic genius Bob Diaco, and he had a horse crap culture <laughs> with his defense, and we saw what it looked like, where I think Shenander has taken a whole different approach. That was my – I tried to keep it censored here, even though – PG, we, keep it PG. We could drop a cuss word on iTunes, but not, not on, not on uh, our radio affiliates. But um, Shenander, to me, has started with the culture first, building that trust first – and then building the scheme with that. And um, I, it kind of picked up a lot of that this spring from guys as far as just getting that confidence and swagger back that you need to play good defense. Well, this was a much more difficult task than I think anybody could really imagine. I mean, look back at where this defense was at the end of November. I mean, they were absolutely brutalized towards the back end of that schedule. I mean, basically all year long, but uh, I mean, they weren't even competitive uh, to, to end the season. And from a, that culture standpoint, that does so much damage to your own self-confidence, your belief in the team, uh, and just how you play the game. And so this was uh, a huge project that Shenander and his defensive staff, and Scott Frost especially, had to undertake in rebuilding the psyche of this group and getting them back to playing to the level that they're capable of. Um, and that's you know, still very much a work in progress. I think you still are seeing guys, you know, play a little bit hesitant. Um, you know, that's been especially um, noted uh, by the coaching staff.
coaching staff with a lack of turnovers produced. Guys are still, you know, not wanting to take those chances, and they still have that quote-unquote fear of failure um, where, you know, they've been so used to making one mistake and it's a touchdown. Um, and so that's uh, been the big process that they tried to eliminate this spring. You know, obviously the schematic stuff is important too, but getting these guys to believe in themselves on the field, play with confidence, and, and play with that, um, you know, just kind of the, the – ability to go out and make plays and not be so concerned about your assignment and overthink things and being scared to make mistakes um, that uh, still will be something they have to continue to address all through the summer and the fall and probably you know even not after the season starts yeah I think it goes even beyond what we saw last year I mean you look back at the 2016 season how how that season finished you know how it ended everything came unraveled there the I mean these guys I don't think they've been a confident group of players on that side of the football for a long, long time. And so and then you have a, a new coaching staff come in and, and you want these guys to, quote-unquote, shoot your, your shot um, and make plays. And, and I mean, that's that's something, I mean, like you said, Robin, these guys are so used to mm-hmm. trying to make a play and then having a touchdown scored on them that uh, I, I think it's it's been a, a tough thing to break for these guys. But, um, yeah, I do like the the tone that Eric Chenander has set, and, and I think that it's, it's, you know, I think they've taken – Taking massive strides, but it's a, still a work in progress here, um, and especially with the the skill guys on that side of the football. I, I feel like the guys up front are starting to get it, but uh, especially in the back end of that defense, you you still you, you want to see some some more confidence there. You want to see some some turnovers created and by those uh, cornerbacks and safeties. Yeah, as we talk defense here, guys. Um, I think yeah, you mentioned the defensive line. We have a really good idea, kind of what that's going to look like. I think we know the middle linebacker spot is going to be manned by Dedrick Young, Will Honus, and Muhammad Barry. Um, but then you look at the outside linebacker, the corner positions, particularly safety is in good shape. Aaron Williams, Antonio Reed, particularly um, on that back end, um, are, are probably the two guys. Deontay but, Williams, too. And Deontay Williams. I think Deontay could even be a nickel mm-hmm. corner. I mean, they can use him a lot of ways. But the real questions for me are outside linebacker and corner and, you know, until we know the status of Breon Dixon, if he's cleared by the NCAA, and how good Caleb Tanner is, we're really not going to have a good read, as well as Luke Gifford. How is he going to return? Um, so outside linebacker is so hard to get a true read on on the spring. And corners the same way. They just didn't have – I mean, they had like five available corners for the entire game, and that included walk-ons on Saturday. And Tony Butler just does not look like a corner. I mean, he got no. burned by Cade Warner bad on a play and – um, you know, when you're getting outrun as a Division One scholarship corner by a walk-on receiver like that, that's, that's probably not a good sign. So I, I think there's questions at the depth of that corner position after Lamar Jackson, DiCaprio Boodle, and then Eric Lee would be in there as well. But there's still some things that we just don't know about those two spots. Yeah, corner is definitely an issue. Um, you know, there, there's a reason that there was a walk-on taking reps with the number one in spring. I mean, that's not an ideal Ethan situation. Ethan Cox from yeah, Blair. Ethan Cox. And so um, Scott Frost made no secret about that. You know, the for day he took the job, he said, we don't like our numbers at cornerback. So uh, that's something that they will, I'm sure, continue to address, um, you know, over the, the next few recruiting classes to bolster that group to where it needs to be. But in the here and now, that's going to be something they're going to have to work around. Um, you know, obviously, they 
they've said a lot of good things about Lamar Jackson, um, and I think that he's really um, benefited from this culture change we were talking about as much as anyone. Uh, I mean, he was a guy that came in with very high expectations from you know the outside, but especially with himself, and he has not even come close to reaching those. And so as a result, you got to wonder where his confidence is. But I think that with this new staff and that encouragement to um, you know don't play with fear, don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, we have your back. He is really, uh, I think, kind of hit the reset button in his development. And so I'm, I'm intrigued to see how good he can be in this defense. Maybe not necessarily so much this year, but uh, a year from now when he's got a full you know, year of the, the strength and conditioning, the coaching um, to get him to where he needs to be. But then, um, you know, DiCaprio Boodle has done a lot of good things. So I think they're okay with that top line, but you talked about it, Sean, that depth behind him is a real concern at that cornerback spot. Yeah, they're, I think they're really going to need some of the newcomers to, to come in and at least provide some depth there, you know, whether that's moving Deontay Williams to cornerback or, or to play nickel um, or, you know, having a guy like Cam Taylor and Braxton Clark, you know, come in and, and you know, those the coaches to feel confident enough to, to have those guys being, you know, rolling with the twos. But, uh, you know, I think the worst thing that ever happened to Lamar Jackson was that he showed up on campus and they essentially just handed him the job, uh, you know, and he never really had to earn it. And, and now, uh, you know, I don't think that's so much the case with the staff. I think everyone's had to kind of earn their stripes here. Uh, as far as outside linebacker goes, I mean, there's there's some quality depth there, but you'd like to have some people, you know, really separate themselves. I, I was encouraged with what I saw out of Alex Davis. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, to he me, had a big spring game. Yeah, he had a huge spring game, and and I think to me, that's in, that's definitely encouraging to to see a guy like that. interception. Yeah, he scored on that t- too, right? No, almost, oh, he got almost, almost. Did. he got tackled like the ten or something like that. Uh, but I mean, that's I mean, that's a guy who's got so much potential. Looks the part. I mean, he looks <laughs> he looks amazing. But uh, you know, you you want to see him put it all together, and, and hopefully that's you know we got a glimpse of that in the spring game. And Sean, you mentioned Breon Dixon. Obviously, they're still waiting on his status with the waiver coming from Ole Miss, but he is probably the biggest X factor in my opinion. Um, he is their best outside linebacker in my opinion. I don't think it's really a yeah. competition. Uh, maybe Luke Gifford contends for that if he's fully healthy, but he's not. And so right now, Dixon is the guy. And so if they can get him eligible, that changes a lot with that defense because he's the one guy in that group that can fully go back and cover just as well as he can rush the passer. And that's the mix they need at that position, as we saw with Shaquem Griffin at uh, Central Florida. And we should know, I mean, gosh, you would think in the next week or two. I know Michigan's really waiting on that because Shea Patterson, the quarterback, and I know Michigan's got a trip planned to Rome um, this year. or Not Rome, but uh, Paris, excuse me. Of course, yeah. They're going to Paris. Rome was last year. And I, th- I think they were hoping to have an answer before they went to Paris. Um, so we'll find out, I guess, if, if they're able to get that. But yeah, it's um, it's interesting just to, to kind of watch all this play out, and um, we'll see. And then Lou Gifford, yeah, just how he returns, we just don't know. But um, there'll be a lot to chew on here over the course of the summer months for Nebraska to kind of figure out what they want to do at corner and what they want to do at safety. When we come back, uh, lots going on still in Nebraska basketball. Recruiting has picked up. Uh, they hosted some visitors this week, including a seven-footer. They're looking at a potential transfer as well uh, that averaged 18 points a game. Uh, we'll get Robin Washett's thoughts on the latest in the world of Nebraska basketball recruiting. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. We're going to talk some Nebraska basketball. I know it's offseason, but it is roster time. Nebraska's trying to get things figured out here with their roster. 
um, some open scholarships to fill. They they lost um, uh, one of their top recruits. They let him out of the letter of intent, Robert, Xavier Johnson, yep. correct? Yes, it was Xavier Johnson, their number one recruit in the 2018 class. And so, you know, right now, what, three open scholarships? Three open scholarships as of now, and we're still waiting to see uh, what Isaac Copeland and James Palmer are going to do. But uh, as of now, they have three available spots for 2018, and it's not an ideal time to have that many. So, right, you know, and, and they, they looked, number one, at a transfer from Robert Moore. So let's, go, let's run down that first. Yeah, uh, Deshaun Burke, um, a guard, sophomore. Uh, so he's a traditional transfer. He's not a grad transfer. That means he'll have to sit next season. Um, he officially visited uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, quite frankly, I think he's Nebraska's to lose. Uh, you know, I talked to him before his visit, and uh, he had very glowing things to say um, about Nebraska and especially about Tim Miles. Um, you know, when they had an in-home visit with him last week, um, the pr- previous Wednesday, and he was bl- kind of blown away uh, when Miles and assistant coach uh, T- Mike Lewis uh, showed up in his living room and had this completely detailed and um, you know organized scouting report uh, about him. Uh, you know, knowing how he improved in his areas of weakness and how that would translate to what they do and how they can get him better. And so that was a really big selling point to the point where um, he was initially scheduled um, earlier this week on Monday and Tuesday to go to St. John's for an official visit. Well, he decided he wanted to see Nebraska first, called St. John's and said, hey, I want to you know, push my visit back and I want to see Nebraska first. And that's a big deal for a guy like him uh, because he uh, he made no secret that the first visit is the most important visit for him. He only wants to take two or three at most and Nebraska got the first one. So, um, and add on top of that, he told me he wants to commit by the first week of May. So there's not a lot of time to even see another school uh, between the time he leaves Lincoln and the time he wants to commit. So I think things are looking pretty good for Nebraska to add a traditional transfer. And yet, Yes, it won't help them uh, for next season, but you know, you look at the the roster and kind of that backcourt situation. They needed depth, and so he'll come in with two years of eligibility starting in 2019-20. And as long as the you know the visit uh, was everything he expected it to be, I very well could see him being a Husker when all is said and done. And then Nebraska hosted a seven footer this week, right? Yeah, big kid out of Argentina, um, Francisco Cafaro. I'm, maybe butchered that last name, but yeah, a seven foot kid. And he's not like your typical, like Purdue seven footer. Like he's more of a, um, a Euro a, seven a, footer a four or five euros. Yeah. 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 It's like, uh, I'm not even going to say, uh, Porzingis from the Knicks, but you know, in that, that skinny, you know, European mold, not European, but international mold. Uh, he, but he's a, a kid that was born in Argentina and then most recently moved all the way over to Australia to play in the NBA kind of developmental, uh, league they have out there um, in Australia. And so he's he was originally a 2019 kid. He reclassified up to 2018. And um, you know he's got schools like Georgia Tech, St. Mary's, Oregon, um, and a pit, um, all have offered. And so, I mean, he's a kid that is attracting some serious high major attention. Um, he's only 17 years old. He'll turn 18 in May. Um, so he'll come in as a true freshman and very green. But at that NBA Global Academy um, in Australia that I was talking about, um, in his first two games, he averaged 26.5 points and 10.5 rebounds. So, I mean, he, he's a guy that um, has an offensive skill set that could be actually be able to produce points from the center position, which <laughs> I know Nebraska fans haven't seen that in a long, long time. So uh, he's visiting or he visited earlier this week. 
uh, Sunday through Tuesday, and then he's going to go see Georgia Tech, and he's going to go see St. Mary's. And from what I've been told, more than likely, it's going to come down to Nebraska and St. Mary's. And that's a good thing that Nebraska is probably going to be in the final two it's a bad thing that's against St. Mary's. St. Mary's is kind of a... They're like the international school of the United States. I mean, they, they make their hay, especially on Austra- Australian talent. And so they've got a pretty good pipeline there. So that's going to be tough to beat. But, um, you know, he was, again, like the other guy, he, he's... Nebraska was his first official visit. And so who knows what that means. But, you know, that's another guy that, you know, could potentially add some much needed front court depth uh, for next season. Now, Robin, do you see anything else like moving on right now? I mean, as far as that other spot, I mean, is there anyone else coming in for visits right now? Yes, yes, there are. In fact, the week uh, May 1st through the 4th, Nebraska is going to be hosting another 2018 guard, a freshman out of high school um, out in Hagerstown, Maryland, uh, Amir Harris. Um, He's a 6'5 guard, so kind of a big guy like an Evan Taylor type uh, that um, is one of kind of regarded as the best available, one of the best available guards in the 2018 class right now. Um, he's got uh, serious interest and offers from Auburn and Cal, and um, along with Nebraska, those are probably his top three right now. And he just, earlier this week, scheduled that official visit. Um, he has no other visits um, planned right now. Um, he's in no rush to make his decision, but, um, you know, again, Nebraska's the first one with their foot in the door. And so, um, you know, I was able to talk to him earlier this week, and again, he had a lot of uh, impressive things to say. You know, this Tim Miles identified him and offered him himself. You know, this wasn't an assistant coach building the relationship. This was Miles kind of handpicking this kid. So, um, and it kind of a, a guy that, you know, again, is leaning towards uh, Nebraska a little bit, but, you know, obviously with, you know, two other high majors involved, a lot left to play out. But um, those are the three top targets on Nebraska's board right now. And right now, I'd say that Nebraska's sitting pretty good with at least two of them, if not all three. Now, when you look at, you mentioned assistant coaches, we talked Nebraska basketball with Robin Washington. Is there a time frame on when Tim, Tim Miles could name um, his opening on the staff? I would say, and you know, we've been in this situation so many times that we've kind of seen how it goes. They definitely want to have a guy in place before July. Um, I think what right now they're just trying to get through the April recruiting period because this is like the first start of the live evaluation periods. You know, that end of April is like where the first major tournaments happen. And right now, Greg Eaton, um, their director of basketball operations, is going on the road as that third assistant. And he's done that before. Um, you know, when Rashawn Burno, you know, left in, in the middle of nowhere a few years ago, uh, Eaton was the guy that took over that spot. So he has experience evaluating kids. And so they'll be fine with him. Uh, for the time being. But I would imagine sometime in May and certainly by June, they're going to want to have that uh, that position filled. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people are wanting to like get information on what people are hearing. But uh, if you look back at the last few hires, they've all been kind of just completely out of the blue candidates. I mean, Kenya Hunter, no one even knew who he was until it was announced he was hired. Um, you know, same thing with Michael Lewis. I mean, Tim Miles is pretty good at keeping this stuff close to the vest. Um, so uh, that's still something that's playing itself out. But I would imagine within the next month or so, uh, for sure, you'll probably hear some news on that front. And then I want to ask you about one in-state thing here, Robin. Um, Sharif Mitchell is reclassified. He was regarded as one of the top players in the state. He's going to go to Sunrise, Sunrise Christian, Christian in Kansas. Kansas. If he does well there, is this a guy that maybe Nebraska could circle back in on? Theoretically, um, you know, they never offered. Um, you know, UNO was, I think, his best offer, and I think he was planning to go there uh, and then decided to reclassify, which I think was the right move. Like Kyrie Thomas did the same thing. Exactly. And look what happened to Kyrie Thomas. And so here's the deal. Just like Kyrie Thomas, a lot of people are thinking that 
Creighton is going to be able to get him. So I know that's not something Nebraska fans want to hear, but um, that's just kind of the, the what the tea leaves are reading right now. But uh, Nebraska does have connections with Sunrise Christian. You remember Keanu Pinder? Um, they placed him uh, when he came over from Australia at Sunrise Christian. And so Tim Miles has connections there. Um, but right now, I don't know. I mean, especially the fact that they're recruiting a freshman guard now. And Omaha kids, like you mentioned, that they're usually strong leans yeah. to Creighton so, over so Nebraska. Creighton, Creighton has been much more involved with him. I mean, they never offered either, but they at least showed some interest. I think they had him on an unofficial visit. Uh, so, Probably advised the prep school route. Yeah, yeah. So that would be my best guess if he were to go, you know, up to a high major level is that Creighton would take a flyer on him. And, you know, as we've seen that play out, he'll probably end up being really good and an all-conference type player. And Nebraska fans will be asking, why didn't they recruit Shreve Mitchell? Hey, they've gotten one in-state guy in the last 15-plus years, That's Brady right. Hyman. He's coming in this year. So hopefully we'll get more in the future. But, um, you know, I just thought I'd ask about Shreve Mitchell because I, I, I think like a lot of people listening, we're always intrigued. You know, are there any local guys that eventually Nebraska yep. could take? And he's just, good enough. He's just not big and strong enough right now. And so a year of prep school will do wonders for him. Yeah, when you play Michigan State and Ohio State and teams like yep. Purdue, you got to be a you yep. got to be a dude. You saw it with Thomas Allen and Glenn Watson when he was a freshman. I mean, those little guys struggle a little bit, so he need, he needs to bulk up. All right, when we come back, we are going to close the show with recruiting. It was a big weekend in Lincoln. Several guys in town. We'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on that next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, no, I'm I'm focused. I'm I'm staying here. I'm gonna. Oh, man, you're not going back. I'm doing summer school. I'm trying to get in there, get in, get out. You know, it's fun. Football is fun to me. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, football is fun to me. So when I'm around my brothers like this, I'll I'll be straight rather than you know. I came, I came here just to get away from all the distractions and stuff. And, you know, stuff out there right now, besides my family, is nothing but a distraction, you know. I'm, I'm here to get my mindset. I see the year I'm trying to have. And with that, I'm going to have to make sacrifices. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show final segment. And that was last year's prize recruit, uh, Tyjon Lindsay, having a very focused spring. And uh, let's talk about this year's recruiting, Nate, as y- you look at uh, the spring game, Nate Klaus, uh, back here on the show um, coming in, Nate, you know, you've covered and been around a lot of spring game weekends now. Really, you've been a part of all – I mean, ever since the spring game has become a recruiting spectacle back in 2004 when Bill Callahan first got here, uh, you've been a part of every single one of these. Uh, what stood out to you about this past weekend compared to maybe past ones? Well, I think what probably stood out the most is that this group, you know, it probably it wasn't nearly as – uh, highly touted or star-studded of a group as what we've seen the past couple of years. Uh, but there were some interesting facets uh, to this group that we haven't seen. Uh, you know, the the amount of junior college players that were there. Um, you know, when you've got, you know, double-digit guys from Garden City that drove up, you know, from Garden City, Kansas, which is, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. It's got to be at least an eight-hour car drive. That's a haul. Yeah. And then they drove back right <laughs> right after the game. I mean, that's that's some dedication. Uh, you had a handful of guys from Highland Community College there. Um, so, I mean, the, the junior college, um, you know, commitment to, to that, I, I think, is a big deal, especially, you know, when you, you have uh, you have got 
Coach Sims down there at Garden City now, and, and he helped you know d- deliver some pretty big-time junior college players to Nebraska in the past. So I think that's a great relationship to have. You know, he worked with Javon DeWitt at FAU, um, you know, back in the day. So there's some you know, Ryan Held's got some connections there. So that that was interesting. And then you had a handful of uh, of kids from Florida at, at the at the uh, spring game, and I think that connection to the state of Florida is going to continue to be a huge one. Um, you know, you've got you had a four-star outside linebacker, Jamon Eford, uh, visiting, who's got you know 25, 30 offers to his name. A couple of big-time 2020 receivers from Deerfield Beach um, that were up here that already have offers from the Huskers, uh, and then a couple other Florida kids too that Nebraska hasn't offered yet. But um, you know, those are two things that really stood out to me. And then as a handful of really important regional targets. Uh, you know, a guy like uh, Messiah Newsom out of Iowa, who that, that I mean, he's a defensive end that. Nebraska is all in on. He's visited now, you know, three weekends out of the last four, which is a huge, huge deal. Um, you know, Ty Robinson, who's a Rivals 250 defensive end, who has connections to the state of Nebraska. His both of his parents went to Shattern State College. His mom is from O'Neill. Has a ton of family in the state. I mean, uh, you know, and, and a couple other guys like that. But uh, some some strong connections. So not the biggest group, but I think it was still a very important group of guys, uh, and maybe kind of laying. The, the groundwork for, for what's to come, especially in that 2020 class. Yeah, you mentioned Garden City. It's about 385 miles, six hours and seven minutes, according to Google Maps. So you figure those kids had to get up about 4 a.m. to get to Lincoln for an 11 a.m. spring game. So uh, it no doubt shows the, the dedication and, and, the, and the emphasis, Nate, that Nebraska's put in at the JUCOs. This week, Nebraska um, hit Mississippi, they hit Kansas. I don't know if they got out to California yet, but um, some of the first stops they made once again were to JUCOs. Yeah, you know, junior college recruiting is going to be a vital part of, of Nebraska's success going forward. I mean, I, I think the staff is all in on not having a JUCO-heavy recruiting class each and every year, but I think they certainly want to get the first pick yeah, of the they, guys. They want to cherry pick a handful of difference makers from the JUCO ranks each and every year. You know, I, I think we can go ahead and count on Nebraska taking two to three JUCOs from here on out, uh, and for those guys to be handpicked, um, Mike Williams, Deontay yeah, Williams, exactly. um, guys that are Will gonna, Honus. guys are going to come in and, and make a large impact right away. You know, um, on on Wednesday. Uh, they offered Kadeem Telfort, who is a former Rivals 250 offensive lineman, had signed with uh, Florida out of high school. Uh, you know, his former teammates with Guy Thomas. He was up here at, in Lincoln for the spring game, um, and he told me following the game that you know what, I really hope Nebraska offers me because I'm looking to commit. I had a great conversation with uh, with Greg Austin, really deep in, in convo with him, um, and we really connected. Uh, plus, he's got a connection with Guy Thomas, so. Um, I mean, he's a big-time talent uh, at the offensive tackle And they've got position. a leg up now on him. Yeah, now they've got a leg up there. So, uh, And that's, I mean, the offensive tackle position, I think that's that's a spot that where you could see Nebraska possibly take two JUCOs uh, in this class at. So, um, you know, that that's a huge development right there. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up committing to Nebraska sooner rather than later. Yeah, and you compare that to the past few years, Nate. I mean, Nebraska would basically just make that offer from a distance to the same Juco guy everyone's offering right now. Uh, But in this situation, they got a visit already. They went down and visited the school. They made an early offer. It had some more personal touch to it. So just a night and day difference of how they're handling this when they had so many good players right in their grasp. They wanted some of these guys. And 
you can blame it on the administration or whatever, but yeah, it, it's just refreshing to see them go after these guys that are going to help Nebraska win games. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and it never really made a whole lot of sense. I mean, a couple years ago, you had a huge offensive tackle out of Butler uh, at your spring game, Quinn Mittermeyer. And uh, following that spring game, he was dying for a Nebraska offer. He grew up in Kansas, used to go to Nebraska games as a little kid. He said his uncle was a huge Husker fan. And so he used to go to games all the time with his uncle uh, as a kid. Well, Nebraska uh, had him for, for the spring game, never offered. Uh, he wanted to offer, wanted the offer. They never pulled the trigger. Oklahoma came in, offered him, and now he's starting on Oklahoma's offensive line. So I guarantee you that guy would, would have helped Nebraska here over the past couple of years. So, uh, I mean, it just, yeah, it's always a head scratcher. I, I just heard a couple guys listening in their cars right now pull over, Nate, and, and get pretty upset <laughs> with that story. So, uh, you're listening to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Um, as we talk recruiting now, a lot of the members of the 2018 class were in town. Um, you know, you got, you got a chance to maybe eyeball a couple guys for the first time, Nate. Some thoughts on just some of the guys you got to talk to and see from the 2018. Well, first of all, I mean, th- that was a, a it looked to be a really tight knit group of guys that were having a great time at the spring game, uh, and they all looked apart. I mean, uh, Tate Wildeman, I've been able to see him play in person, uh, and to be able to see him again uh, for the spring game, he, I mean, he looks the part of a of a guy who could probably come in and and play uh, early on in his career, uh, which you can't always say about defensive linemen because usually. Whether, whether it's offensive linemen or defensive linemen, usually those guys need a redshirt year. And I'm not saying that Tate's going to come in and play immediately, but uh, i tell you what, if they needed him to, he probably could do it uh, based off what he looked like. I mean, he, he looks looks like he's a college freshman or that he's been in a program already for an entire year. Um, Cam Jones out of out of uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, the safety, the four-star safety that signed with the Huskers, I mean, he, he definitely looks the part. Um, and you can just tell he's got a little swagger to him. He's got a little something extra to him. Uh, same with Cam Taylor out of out of Montgomery, Alabama, who's uh, played mostly quarterback in high school, a terrific athlete, is going to make the transition to cornerback. And and I think that he's a guy, uh, another one, who looks the part physically, looks the, looks like he could come in and play immediately. And, and that's a position of need that where they could very well, uh, you know, rely on Cam Taylor to to give them some uh, some depth at the very least next year. So, I mean, really, and all those guys, looked apart I thought it was pretty cool that they announced them at the game put them up on the big board showed showed some of their highlights along with a lot of the the 2018 walk-ons that were there you're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Nate Klaus as uh, we put a wrap on things now Nate um, what's your read as we wrap things up on, on the staff out on the road this week I mean if they had the full allotment of 10 out um, I mean, any real big trends as we wrap things up? Yeah, the big, the, the big, the major trends that I've kind of noticed so far um, are the, and, and this is kind of what I expected, uh, was that uh, we're not seeing a, a slew of 2019 offers going out. Uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of the coaches on the road. They're checking in on a lot of their, a lot of the 2019 offers that they've made over the past few months. Uh, but the new offers that are going out for the most part are to uh, underclassmen, the 2020 class. 
even 2021, you know, they offered a, a defensive tackle out of Iowa who's just a freshman in high school, a 2021 prospect. So um, it's it's seems like they're getting at, trying to get ahead of the curve with some of the the younger guys. They've kind of had to play catch up a little bit with the 2019 class, uh, but now they're 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 able to you know start getting ahead of the curve a little bit for that 2020 and 2021 classes. And and I think that we're really going to see that pay off. You know, after the staff is here for a year, able to establish relationships with that 2020 class and beyond, uh, I think that's you know that's where we're really going to see recruiting take off because they're still trying to establish those relationships with the 2019 class. But um, and I think that trend is going to continue all the way through the the end of May, and um, and we'll probably see a lot of young guys at Nebraska's camps. Would be my guess heading into camp season in June. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Make sure you're online as we'll have full coverage of not only the draft this weekend, Husker baseball, um, playing an early series against Nevada that wraps up Saturday as well. So uh, make sure you're on Husker Online as we will continue to give you the latest in breaking news on Nebraska athletics. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.